Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review. Hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law will fight that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. This is Jam Session, the podcast version 394, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. It's one of those times of years, man, where we just, there's a lot of random stuff going on. Just a lot of random. I mean, hell, there's a perfect game thrown in Major League Baseball on Wednesday night that we're going to dive into. The Cowboys have released their training camp schedule just a lot of little random stories that are out and about. So we're going to go down that rabbit hole again today. It's kind of, this is how it is. Like the month of June and half of August is, or July is kind of this way. I mean, everybody always talks about this, but we're about to hit, what is it? Is it the day? I guess it's the day after the Major League Baseball All-Star game when they always there's have the ESPYs because that's the slowest yeah. sports day of the year. Exactly. Because there's literally, literally nothing going on because Major League Baseball is off. So there's, exactly. I, I mean, I'm sure there's some random ass, but somebody's going to, that's not true. I watch this on Wednesdays. Okay. Cornhole championships. Yeah, whatever the hell it is. But before we, we started off, man, as always, we tell you about Greening Law and we've been telling you about them for a long time. Several of you have reached out to them and several of you have had cases with Greening Law and have been represented, including myself. And, and if you're one of them, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. They fight the insurance companies. They're wizards. They do things that none of us would know how to do. And if you find yourself with an injury to your person, be it in a car accident, at, on the premises of a business, you need to give the lawyers at Greening Law a call. See if you've got a case, because if you do, you're going to want them involved with this. The thing about Greening Law is, and Matt spelled it out for you, I've, I've told you about it, is that they walk you through the process, man. This thing can be intimidating when you're just getting into it and you're trying to figure out what to do and you're trying to figure out, number one, if you have a case uh, because somebody injured you when you were away from home, whether it's at a business or, or, or you know, driving, wherever you were. You got hurt, you're not at your crib and it's not your fault. You just need to pick up the phone and give them a call. It's that simple, 972-934-8900. Say, hey, here's my situation. And if they take you on as a client, it's a great day for you because they walk you through this entire process from what questions you need to know, what questions the other the other insurance company is going to ask you, what doctors you should need to go to, what kind of tests you need to have done. It's a it's a I mean, it's a work of art the way that they do it and the way they do it is successful. All you got to do is look at the track record. You ain't got to take my word for it. Go to their website, look at their track record, see what they've done. And uh, like I said, if they bring you on as a client, it's a lucky day for you. That's exactly right. It's easy to make it happen. So give them a call. It's 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now, offices, Dallas, Texas. So it is official, and, and we had been telling you guys this, man, like a month ago. I mean, you can look at the calendar and figure it out, but it is official. The Cowboys made it official. They will open their 64th training camp officially on July 26th. It'll be the 17th season that they are holding camp in Oxnard. And the first workout will be at 1.30 on Wednesday, July 26th, which means, obviously, that the annual camp stuff will be happening. The state of the 
whatever, whatever you call it, the State, state of the, of the team, address team address is going to be on that Tuesday, July 25th. And then they'll hold their first practice. And that first weekend, there's a ceremony that happens and all this type of thing. The cool thing is if you are inclined, and this always blew my mind when we were out there, the yeah. amount of people that will go to California, and I guess it's cool because it is a gorgeous area and it feels amazing that time of the year there, but they have something like 10 or 11 open practices where anybody can go to them and they set up the stands and everything. And people, I mean, if you want to, you can watch these guys practice and it's kind of boring, <laughs> but there you go. Well, I mean, I think it's, uh, what happens is that's a, it's an hour north of LA. And so it's a great spot uh, if you want to bring your family out there and say, hey, we're going to vacation in Southern California. Uh, we're going to go to a couple cowboy practices. We're going to go to Disney World. We're going to go to Orange County. We're going to go to Beverly Hills. We're going to do all of that sightseeing stuff and watch the Cowboys. It's, it's hard to beat that, man, if you're going on vacation. Plus, the weather's great. Get a little bit of relief from these 100-degree temperatures around here. Uh, and then the other thing is, you know, who is it, it can be monotonous to us because we've seen some professional practices. It's worked for us. If you've never been to a Cowboys practice and you get to get your eyes up close on Dak or CeeDee Lamb or any of those guys, man, it can be a once-in-a-lifetime experience for you. Yeah, that's true. People just get uh, people get geeked and and hyped over that. I mean, I will say that a lot of the times you don't even know because most people will focus on I'm going to watch Dak and like, oh, what's he doing? And you have no idea really what they're trying to work on. And the one thing that I liked the most was the one-on-one offensive lineman battles. I liked that quite a bit. Oh, dude, we used to call it Brad Sham. You know, one of the greatest announcers ever. Cowboys, voice of the Cowboys, used to call it uh, the Water Buffalo Show. Yeah. And uh, anytime there was pass rush drills, man, I'm headed that way because no matter what level of football you're talking about, it's your offensive and defensive lines. When they're really good, you're really good. I mean, it's that was kind of cool. You see a lot of that. And then some of the little things more after practice that you see, like when we saw Tyron Smith working on his hands and just doing stuff like that, that you notice that some of the guys will hang around after actual practice ends and some of the little individual work that they'll be doing is kind of cool. And then it's always interesting to see what kind of random music is blaring from the weight room that they build over there on the tennis courts. Cause I'm always curious. Cause you never know, like sometime it'll be, it'll be rap. It'll be rock. It'll be country. I mean, they go through the gauntlet and anytime it's a song that I know, it's like some country song. I'm like, man, I wonder who's in control of the music today. That's interesting. Um, well, dog, I, I think they, I think because of the makeup of your team, you got to have a mix from heavy metal to country to rap to R and B, so that sooner or later everybody's jam comes on, comes up. Although I often wonder now, even even uh, at that level, uh, if everybody's wearing their headphones or their earbuds when they go work out, and so it doesn't really matter. I'm I'm forgetting my own vibe. Yeah, that makes sense, and then we all do that too. I mean, it's it, it's interesting. Sometimes I listen to music. Sometimes I listen to talk radio, sports talk radio. I mean, that, that's just kind of, I don't know. Like I can work out and listen to people talk. And I don't think a lot of people want music when they're working out. Uh, you know what? I'm, uh, as we head down this rabbit hole, I'm not too much different than you. Uh, this morning, I listened to uh, a little bit of the ticket and then like, 15 minutes of it and then I switched over to uh, Bomani Jones' show because that's one of my favorite podcasts and yeah. I listen to that but some days if I'm not feeling right I have to start with my music and get into it and let my music carry me uh, carry me through my workout and then sometimes and maybe I took this from you or maybe I didn't depending on what kind of book it is I can listen to a book while I'm working out yeah I don't know that I could listen to a book because I, yeah I don't listen to books Okay, so I got that from somebody else. Yeah. Uh, but no, they're not fiction books. Normally, like I listen to, uh, sometimes I listen to David Goggins' book while I'm working out. I got and you, it's yeah. not that I, it's not that you really hear it all, but you hear some of it. And I don't know, it's, it's weird. It's, it's more like listening to a podcast to me than it is anything else. Because if you miss something, you can always go back after you work out and hear what you, what you wanted to hear. Yeah, that... The, the listening to books to me, I've tried it before and I just tend to zone out too much. I was going to say, you may be too much of a book reader. Yeah, and, and I like to the read book. the book. Right. Because I feel like I'm submerged so. in it, whereas when I listen to it, 
I'm not submerged in it because I'm obviously doing something else, which is why I'm listening to it. Right. If that makes yeah. sense. No, nah, I get that. Although it seems to me I'd like to listen to them because I fall asleep when I'm reading them. Well, <laughs> I, I, but when I'm listening to them, I can, uh, I like to, and I do, uh, I'm that guy, I save clips on it, on the, uh, on the parts I really like or parts I really think are notable. Yeah. So I'm an engaged listener while I'm, uh, while I'm listening. I gotcha. So the other thing, and I thought this was interesting because Randy Miller, Muller, whatever his name is, some dude who is with the athletic Muller went through the NFC East, identifying each team's biggest concern from a general manager's perspective. Yeah. See, I don't know his name, but obviously I'm assuming he used to be a GM for somebody Yeah, for the Seahawks. Okay. Yeah, he currently serves as the director of pro personnel for the XFL for Seattle. But he did. See? I'll see. There you go. So he's way up, man. (laughs) But he had served as the general manager for the Miami Dolphins and the New Orleans Saints. He has over two decades of NFL front office experience. So he looked at the NFC East. I thought this was kind of interesting is going through these teams in the East to see what is their biggest concern. And we'll finish up with the Cowboys. We'll start with the Commanders who are, I keep wanting to believe that they're going to be trash again, but the fact that they got rid of the death cloud of Snyder, and I don't know that you'll see an immediate impact other than maybe just a a sigh of relief, maybe less walking on eggshells around the facility for everybody. And I got to think that that trickles down. I like Ron Rivera. I think he's a really good head football coach, but don't forget They've added Eric Bieniemy as their new offensive coordinator. And I'll be curious to see. Now, you got to have a quarterback. You have to have a quarterback. That's obvious. But I'll be curious to see if he's able to do some things with some of the pieces that Washington has on offense that will help the commanders maybe be a little bit better offensively. Because they've got some studs defensively. And they've got Terry McLaurin on offense, but they need more. And, the, and I feel like running back-wise, they've got a couple of dudes You know, they got Robinson that they drafted last year in the draft out of Alabama. They got Antonio Gibson, who's been solid for them. But again, it always comes back to the quarterback position. Dude, that's that's what I'm like. It's like it doesn't matter. All that other stuff doesn't matter, man. It's about the QB, bro. If you don't have a legitimate big-time quarterback, it's just hard to compete. You can win some games. You can get some upsets. You can hang around some games. But in the end, man, the elite quarterback is going to get your butt every single time. One of the reasons the Cowboys have had success in the division over the last several, several years is what, bro? They had a quarterback advantage. They had a quarterback advantage in Washington. They had a quarterback advantage in New York. And they had a quarterback advantage in Philly. That makes you a better team most of the time if you just handle the other parts of your business. That's why Dak has such a good record against the NFC East. He's had the advantage. He's been a better quarterback most of the time. And now Jalen Hurts is either better or on his level, depending on what you think about them. And then, uh, you know, Daniel Jones is coming along. He's still behind Dak, but he's making a move upward, which will mean it'll be tougher to beat those teams as they get better quarterback play. But with Washington, man, I still don't believe in their quarterback. Um, I don't know why they – I mean, I know why they do. They see things in practice we don't see. Uh, and they weren't high enough to draft another dude. <laughs> so they're rolling the dice with him and hoping it works out. Yeah, and, and reality of it is, who knows if he's going to turn out or anything. We we really, and, and I think that they saw enough last year that led them to believe, okay, let's roll with this guy and see what we've got. Because he played one game. Sam Howell, who, yeah. if I recall correctly, was a fifth-round pick. He's out of North Carolina. He was really, really good in college. Going into his last year at North Carolina, he was one of the guys that was talked about for the Heisman preseason. Didn't have the greatest season of all time, but his, I'm trying to remember if he came out as a junior or senior. We'll just call it his second to last year in college. He was really, really good. And so the fact that he was there in the fifth round, you don't expect much from fifth round quarterbacks, obviously, but the guy played in one game last year. They've seen something that makes them want to give him a full season of a chance. Jacoby Brissett's their backup. And Mueller talks about this in this article. Basically, I mean, anybody can look at Washington and say the biggest question is quarterback, as he points out. And it's their fifth starting quarterback in four years. And as he points out, an offensive line that has been mishmash since Rivera took over in 2020. 
says, I'm not sure this offensive line is any better than the one they inherited in 2020. My confidence has waned in the evaluation and construction of this unit. So when you pair that together with the quarterback, we'll see. But they haven't done a lot other than maintain the status quo. They didn't do hardly anything this offseason. Right now, they are projected to have $83 million available after the 2023 season, which would allow them, if they so chose, to go out and make some moves. And if they suck this year, perhaps potentially get a quarterback of the future in the draft. That that's all makes perfect sense. What's the one thing that we figured out about the league? So what you got a, you got money in free agency. Very rarely do the best players come available for you to go get. So you can make you can improve your team, but I still think you have to draft consistently better and build that core with draft guys. And then you can go around and make some deals to get guys you want, not just guys who are available, because guess what? Somebody didn't want to sign them for some odd reason. Yeah, that's very true. You know, because, I mean, think about it. There's very few times that elite players are free agents. I mean, you get some good players who are free agents. But there's very few times that difference makers become free agents. And if they are, why are they free? Because the teams have all the leverage. We can franchise you for two years if we, if we really love you. So everybody who comes free, typically they got some kind of issue, be it on the field, be it off the field. And that's why their team declined to sign them to a long-term deal. So with the Giants, as he points out, and this was kind of interesting as he, and again, keep in mind, this is a dude who's a former general manager speaking this way. He says his biggest concern with the Giants is, can they stand prosperity? And he says, trust me, this is a thing. He said his first year with the Saints in 2000, they had a season like what the Giants did last year, a roster and culture makeover that produced way better results than they expected. Then in year two, everything that went right the year before didn't line up and the Saints ended up six and 10. And he said, sometimes jobs in the NFL are explained two steps forward and one step back. Other teams are getting paid and are good too, especially in the NFC East. And the Giants open with a very difficult schedule with the Cowboys and then road games at the 49ers, at the Dolphins, at the Bills in the first six weeks. And as he said, it's unrealistic to expect that carryover from last year. How will the Giants basically handle that if they don't start off strong? And that's kind of an interesting point because I think he's right because this is a Giants team that hasn't had any success in recent years outside of what they did last year. Right. It's um, it's hard to win in the, in the league, man. We know that. And everything is designed for you not to win uh, in the league. And we know that, too. And so I think when you look at the uh, look at the Giants, they need a fast start. And here's the other thing, man. They got to also hope that this Saquon thing gets resolved and it doesn't rip their locker room. And when I say rip their locker room, rip their locker room in the sense of, man, they're screwing Saquon. So what are they going to do when it's my time? Because that's how players think. They don't always think, oh, it's it's all about Saquon. It's 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 also about me. Like, damn, this dude's done everything they asked for. He's been this, he's been that, and now they don't want to give him his money, uh, regardless of the fact that he plays running back and all of that. So um, I think you got that working. And here's the other thing that the Giants have working against them, to me, which is much like the Detroit Lions of last year, didn't nobody take the Giants seriously when they played them, meaning – you don't get up for the Giants the way you get up for the Eagles. Nobody does, okay? Let's just keep it real. Now that they're moving toward a good team, okay, hey, the Giants are coming to town this week. Oh, okay, make sure, make sure, let's make sure we straight because we respect them, and once we respect them, we give you our best game. And I don't know that they got that last year. They, they will definitely get it this year. He also points out that, and again, because he's right. The Giants way overachieved last year from where we thought they were. And as he points out, look, they took too many sacks. They need better perimeter players. He says he likes, they're bringing in Paris Campbell from the Colts. They obviously drafted Jalen Hyatt, who I was a big fan of in college at Tennessee there in the third round. We'll see. As he says, also, you look defensively, nobody blitzes more or plays more man coverage than the Giants. But 24 teams forced more turnovers on defense and they had a mediocre, mediocre sack total of just 41. So to justify all the risks they bring on themselves, they have to do more. 
which makes sense. I totally get that. And you kind of wonder, we talked about this before, and there's a variety of, of teams in the NFL. Like when you look at the, at the New York Giants, who do you fear? Maybe Saquon Barkley. Outside of that, who do you fear if you're the opposing team that goes, hey, we got to watch out for this guy? I don't know if they have anybody outside of Saquon. Um, didn't they add Waller? They got Darren Waller? Yeah, maybe they did. I can't remember. I think you're right, though. Yeah, well, he, he would become that guy. And the reason why they got him is to help on the outside. Yeah, there you go. So um, Darren Waller and then Saquon. But even Darren Waller, yeah. you look at the last two seasons Darren Waller has had, extremely pedestrian and way below what Dalton Schultz was doing because he's been injured and can't stay on the field. Two years ago with the Raiders, played in 11 games, 665 yards. Last year with the Raiders, played in nine games, 388 yards. And he's about to turn 31 years old, I believe. Yeah, you're not wrong, but I think his case was also a case of, uh, in addition to the injuries, I don't know that, I don't know he had a good relationship with his team. And so I think that can lead to some of that non-production but i get what you're saying and i don't disagree with it they got to get some what do we talk about Dak all the time they gotta get some weapons you know daniel jones running was one of their big threats yeah. last year and why is that because they don't have a running game and i mean they didn't they didn't we were better off covering their receivers and letting him run than um than not if you know what i mean we'll take our chances with daniel jones running and seeing if that'll beat us and we don't think it will so with the Eagles, when he looks at the Eagles and, and look, the defending NFC's champions, magical run to the Super Bowl. And as he says, they've added to a talented roster already, which should make them the favorite in almost every game they play. He says he loves the depth so that when injuries occur, they have options. It's true. But he points this out, and I think we tend to forget this, too. They lost both coordinators because of the success that they had last year. So now they've got two new coordinators on both sides of the ball that maybe could take a little bit of time to adjust to that on offense and defense. And as he points out, he said the, the, the most concerning thing on offense is the number of sacks they took last season. Hertz was sacked 44 times, 11th most in the league. You, you got to think that he continues to improve in processing and reading coverage and able to get out of that. But outside of that, again, we all are, I think, aware of this. The Eagles are the favorite in the NFC. I would put them as the best team in the NFC and one of the top three or four teams in the NFL. Maybe the, behind the Chiefs, they might be, on paper, going into the season, the second best team in the NFL. I don't have any dispute with that. I mean, I think that the Eagles are a terrific team. They're playing with a lot of confidence. Now, check this out. They didn't win the Super Bowl, and most of the time, that's the kiss of death. But when you got a guy like Jalen Hurts as your quarterback, when you got the young guys on their team, I don't think it is a kiss of death. I think they come back just as hungry and just as determined uh, to make it happen. I mean, I think that's why Jason Kelsey came back for one more year at center uh, when there was a lot of talk about him retiring. I think they're – I think – you know, they're one of the two or three teams that, that has a real opportunity to win it, and I think you have to deal with them to get where you're going, whether you're San Francisco or whether you're Dallas. Uh, and they don't have a lot of weaknesses to me, bro. They do not. I would agree with you. It's, it's Dallas mean, and I mean, Philadelphia for the division. I think we're all aware their, of that. What's their weakness, do you think? I don't know that they have one. I, I had <laughs> – I'm serious. I'm they're looking like – I think what he mentioned is good. There's whenever you have two new coordinators, there's some change that goes on. They're not calling the games like the guys right. before them. You don't know if the players respond the same way. You don't know if the same types of adjustments are made. It's some nuance and some subtlety that may not show up against bad teams, but could show up against good teams. Yeah, I mean, to me, I get what he's saying about the sacks with Hurts, but I think he more than makes up with that in other ways, and he's going to get better. I mean, I had Hurts in fantasy last year. I'm going to have him again this year because I get to keep him. The dude can do it all. Now, I anticipate as he develops and starts to read coverages and process things even quicker than he did last year, he might run less because he'll feel more confident. Who knows? But they design a lot of stuff for him. They design. They want him to run because he's a physical runner. I mean, he's very... He's almost Cam Newton-ish because he's a big physical dude that can run over guys that doesn't feel hits the way that most quarterbacks do. Exactly. Now with the Cowboys, and again, 
this is another team that is a, and I know Cowboys haters are never going to want to hear anything positive, but the reality of it is the Cowboys are a good team. And he points that out. He said <laughs> their two main roster additions made sense. Their two biggest exits, obviously Kellen Moore, but that doesn't seem to be a concern. And Zeke, who, who cares if you lose Zeke, quite honestly, he even points out, he says, look, everybody talks about the 17 interceptions thrown by Dak. But even with those, they only committed 23 to- total turnovers when the league average was 22. And right, he, right. he said, I'm not here to tell you that Dak doesn't have to clean it up, but his processing and decision-making were blurred by trying to do too much at times and needing to have some better-defined options. The combined philosophies of Brian Schottenheimer and head coach Mike McCarthy will eliminate the gray area for Dak, plus add the speed factor that Cooks brings will present a different challenge for defenses. And he goes through a lot of this stuff, and it makes a lot of sense, man. And, I mean, at the end of the day, he goes, I actually think this team is primed to have a very good season. I'll be the first to admit my issues are just nitpicking varieties. I, th- I mean, I think they have, they have some uh, – this is just me. I think they have issues on the offensive line, which to me is a bad place to have issues. Uh, and here's what I mean. Let's just keep it real. Tyron Smith ain't playing 17 games this year. When he goes out, what's your plan? Is it to move Tyler Smith to left tackle? Then what's your plan to left guard? Um, will Terrence still come back and be a right tackle that that was what he was before he got hurt, which is a really, really top-of-the-line run blocker and a solid pass protector, a burgeoning star, really. Who mm-hmm. knew? Um, or – Will he be like a lot of guys? He sucked his first year back because he don't believe in his knee. His knee is not able to do what he wants. He's Michael Gallup. You know what I'm saying? And to me, okay, if that's the case, what's your third? who's your third tackle? If it's some dude on the roster, it means it's a guy who's never really played much and we just had to hope and pray he can play when he gets in there. Yeah, that's true. Uh, they've, tried to, they've tried to solidify left guard and you can say, well, it's left guard. You can't be strong everywhere. Okay, that's cool. But – Defensive tackles are getting better and better and better in the league. And if you can't handle Aaron Donald or some of these other cats in the middle, everything else gets jammed up. So to me, the questions on their offensive line will tell the tale of the season. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because going back in in how much carryover from last year to this year, who knows? But that's all you can look at right now. As he points out on offense, they were fantastic converting third downs, 45.5% as he points out, comes to the design by the staff and the decision-making of the quarterback. And then, of course, he points out on defense, they led the league in turnovers. They were third in sacks and were top 10 in getting off the field on third down and an opponent points per game. So, I mean, reality of it is, when we talk about this being one of the better teams in the NFC, they are. And they are one of the better teams in the NFL. Are they the best team? I would say no. But again, this is they made the playoffs in two consecutive years. They got eliminated in the wild card round the year before, which 12 teams get to go to. They got eliminated in the divisional round last year, which eight teams get to go to so that you can make a case. Yeah. They're one of the top six or seven teams in the NFL. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that, man. They just have to play their best football when it matters most, which they have yet to do. So believe to me, it's that simple. Believe you're getting another divisional round loss this year. Believe. (laughs) Come on, man. This They're not making the playoffs or whatever. Stop. They're getting to the divisional round and losing. <laughs> All right? That's where, the, that's where the season begins to me anyway. Yeah, really? I'm not. You know what? I'm not even watching a game until they get to the NFC title game ever again. <laughs> I kid. If I did that, I'd never get to watch anything. I wouldn't have. Stop you, it. Stop it. Stop it. I mean, it's never happening. I'm starting to get to, <laughs> honestly, with them, I'm get, I've gotten, actually, I think I'm there. I'm getting to a place, and this has only happened to me with one other franchise. Growing up a Rangers fan, I I never in my life thought we would ever get to a World Series. Like I did when I was younger, and I did in the mid-90s. And then when that didn't happen, and then they went through that lull, you know, by the time 2010 rolls around, I'm 30 years old, 31 years old or whatever, and I, I had just accepted I am a Cubs fan. I love a team that's never going to win or even play in a World Series. And I was okay with that. And there's a lot of that with the Cowboys that I'm starting to feel like I love a team 
that is never going to win another Super Bowl. And I'm I'm just I'm glad in my lifetime I got to experience it. I wish it had I had been a little older when they won, so I had a little bit more appreciation of it. But at this point, I it's it's it just feels like that's kind of what it is. They'll win another Super Bowl. I don't know if you'll be alive or not, but they'll win another one. Well, see, and that's the um, thing. Yeah, it, it's like I mean, eventually, surely the Rangers will win a World Series. It might be 150 years from now, right? But in the scope of time, yes, the Cowboys will win another Super Bowl. Exactly. Uh, you just hope that you're here. And, you know, the Cowboys keep, keep swinging and banging. And uh, they feel closer than they've been in a minute. But again, man, it's, uh, you know, the odds are stacked against them. Even if you just look at the regular old math and do stuff like, uh, uh, what's the word? Like that number you always throw out about if a quarterback hasn't won by a certain amount of time, he's not going to win. And you've already passed that that thing with uh, with Dak, so you're like, okay, he's gonna have to be an outlier to get it done. But I think Dak is capable of winning the Super Bowl with the right team around him, and I think they're putting the right team around him. And so, uh, uh, there's a shot, man. They got about a two or three year window before, you know, it seems yeah. to me like they really like they'll be searching for another quarterback. Maybe I don't know, man. You know, sports is weird. Some dudes, some teams show up and win it. And I keep telling y'all, I ain't breaking no news here, man. I keep telling y'all the problem with the Cowboys is what, Matt? They didn't really do what they were supposed to do in 7, 14, and a couple years ago yeah. when they had, in 16, when they had great teams, things were lined up for them to get to the championship game and maybe the Super Bowl, and they just spit the bit to use a uh, hackney trite cliche in those years. No, you're right, man. And, and I will tell you this, and this is fair. If the Cowboys win a Super Bowl and Dak is the quarterback when they do it, unless you are a fan of the Cowboys and Dak, you should just mute me on Twitter. Cause I am, I will go scorched earth. I will. I mean, I will probably spend time finding it. Like I'll Google or not Google, but you can search on Twitter. I'll search my Twitter handle and then those, and then Dak and see how many people talk shit about Dak throughout the years. And I'm coming for you. At least you're honest. I'm just saying. <laughs> and if they don't win, then you guys can resend those tweets. I'm like, I told you I was right. I'm like, you know what? You are. But as we move along here, let's tell you, man, it has been crazy hot in Dallas-Fort Worth. I know. I saw they were talking about this the other day. I don't know if it was yesterday on Wednesday or Thursday today, but apparently it's supposed to be like 109 degrees with the heat index over 115 in the DFW area. Oh, my. Don't know that I'm going outside then. That's like how people die. Dude, well, you heard about the postmaster who died the other day, did you? Oh, yeah, I did see something about In that. Dallas, he's just delivering the mail, brother. God, when, oh, you know, it was yesterday. Yesterday, I read an article yesterday because I sent it to the lady fiance. It was in on DallasNews.com that on Wednesday, Dallas was, well, Texas as a whole. It said there was an article about Texas, but Dallas obviously being in Texas that Texas was going to be hotter than 99% of the rest of the world. That makes no sense. That's how hot it was in Texas yesterday, on Wednesday. Of course, I'll give you a quick funny story. Uh, you know, like most people, I've got a group text with my dad, my sister, my brother, my stepmother, uh, group chat. And uh, the other night when I was at the women's football game, it was probably 9, 30, 10 o'clock, and it was still 93 degrees. So yeah. I took a screenshot and sent it to him saying, Texas. And then about five seconds later, my brother, who lives in Phoenix, sent a screenshot and it's 103. <laughs> he goes, you want sympathy? Not happening. <laughs> and so Phoenix may be the only other place that can rival us right now for dry heat. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like in Dallas, it's not dry right now. I mean, it, it, there's been, I think the other day, they were talking about how there's been dew points over 70%, over like upwards of 80%, which is insane, which is why like if the temperature is 103 and the heat index is 115, the humidity is out of control. Yeah, bro. I mean, it, 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 that is what has made it so bad lately is it's way more humid than it normally is in Dallas right now. Way more humid. But we'll see. I bring all this up because of flow, air, heating, and air. Because flow, air, heating, and air 
Every single person listening to this right now, especially if you're in the DFW area, your AC is running like crazy right now. And it ends on Friday is the final day of June. And that means it's your last chance this month to get that special that they're running on duct cleaning. So call them, text them, 817-808-4115, Flow Air Heating and Air. At some point this summer, you're going to have an AC problem. Everybody does because in Texas, I mean, AC in Texas is insane. Might be the greatest invention ever for Texans. And Flow Air Heating and Air can be there for you if you have those problems. Now, let me tell you something else about Flow Air Heating and Air. They also do commercial. How about that? That's See, right. I had a friend of mine yesterday ask me, actually, she was complaining that she had somebody look at her air conditioner service. Uh, she runs a business. And she said, they wanted to charge me 23000 She said, that's crazy. I said, well, have you found somebody else to fix it? She goes, no. I said, oh, try my guys at Floor. So you know what we did, Matt? We sent a text. And guess what happened, Matt? The text said, hey, do you fix commercial? And the response came back a few minutes later. Yep. So then we, then we set it up, and uh, I, I turned it over to them. But she called them, got a prompt answer. Now, I don't know what happened, whether they set up an appointment or when they're coming out or whatever. Nice. But what do we talk about all the time? You text them, you get a response. Yeah. Now you know they do small businesses. They do residential. They can be everything you need them to be. They're 24-7. There's really no good reason not to use them. And, um, you know, when, when your air conditioner is working overboard, you want somebody you can trust and somebody you can count on to come out. They can do both of those. Give them a call and use their service. That's right. Or give them a text, whichever one works, man. 817-808-4115. Or you can check them out online, flowairtx.com. You can do it that way. Of course, freeway tire shop, everybody, you need your tires, you need your car worked on, the oil changes that we all look up. This happens to me all the time. You don't even, they put the sticker on your windshield and you just drive. And then one day you look up, you're like, oh, holy hell, I'm like 6,000 miles past that. <laughs> you always got to get your oil changes and everything, especially I know a lot of people are traveling this week for the July 4th holiday. And one of the things, I always like to do this before we go on long trips. I kind of go, if I need to get the oil change, make sure that's good. Just make sure the car is good, tire rotation, all that stuff. Freeway Tire Shop can do it all, man. And they do it with elite customer service. Dude, that's why that's why I mess with JR. I almost said a bad word. But um, Freeway Tire, to me, what makes them special is you can trust them. And, you know, when you're dealing with mechanics, for me, that's the biggest issue. Can I trust you did what you said you were going to do? And can I rely on your word that my car is fixed and reliable? Because unreliable car in a city like Dallas that ain't about mass transportation is just the biggest pain in the ass ever. And that's not an issue with JR. And that's why that's why I rock with him, because you can trust him to diagnose the issue quickly. I like to say quick, fast and in a hurry. Then you can trust him to do what? Use quality parts to fix whatever the issue is. And a lot of times he'll call a text and say, here are your options with when it comes to parts. Right. That's fantastic. Never had a mechanic do that before. Then thirdly, man, you can trust him to charge you a fair price. Not a cheap price, but a fair price. And that's all you can really ask. And then fourth, man, you can trust him to stand behind his work. Nobody's perfect. Sometimes you need to take it back say, hey, we thought it was done, but check engine light came back on. What's up? Boom. Never a question, never an issue. It's immediately, oh, let me see. Oh, here's the deal. Let's get that done. Boom. Man, so I tell you a lot of time, and I'm real with it. If your mechanic ain't doing all four of those things, then you need to head right up 35 toward Denton, get off at Commonwealth. It's about five minutes from downtown. Go through the light, look to the right, and say, hey, JR, we're a couple Jam fans. Here's my ride. Come fix it. You can send me a Matt thank you card later. No, 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 no foul, no harm. It's all good, baby. But take your car to Freeway Tire. You can, you can, you'll, you'll just be thrilled with the process. Seems easy enough. So as we move on, let's take this trip around the block, man. There's a lot of random wild stories. And one of those, we talked about this like a week ago or whatever it was, the Titan sub that had been lost at sea. And now we know that it imploded and it instantly killed everybody on board. And that's one of those things like implosions are so strange because we can picture it exploding, but it's hard, I, I think, to picture imploding, especially when it comes into to, like, basically, I read something that, that said as soon as there was that at that depth, the water would have just rushed in so immediately, it basically would just crush you and you would implode, which is so crazy. The five people that were killed, I guess that there is 
I mean, you hate to say this about death, but they had no idea. Like from, from the things that I've read, it just would have been like, you're there one moment and the next minute you're not, and you would, you would have no idea that anything happened. Like zero. Well, that would be the best way to go. Right. You just cease to exist, basically. And now they are finding pieces of the wreckage on the ocean floor and what they believe are human remains among the debris and evidence that have been recovered. But, I mean, this is such a wild recovery operation at this point because, again, keep in mind, I mean, this is like way, way down there. Way down. And there's only so much that they have the ability to do to get these pieces off the ocean floor. Well, yeah, because think about it. You don't have equipment like, oh, let's just go get this equipment design, go down and peel stuff, pull stuff up. Yeah. Because remember, they're, they're what? They're like a couple miles down. I mean, that's forever, bro. Yeah, and then like part of me goes, you know, it's interesting because if it imploded, how? I, I guess it's like an explosion, like for whatever reason, in an explosion, some stuff just gets vaporized and other stuff, there's like a giant piece of it. And it's like, well, how yeah. come that thing is in a giant piece and the rest of it just got all is gone? There's no telling. Man. And I'm sure there's some weird scientific, weird ass explanation for this. I, Bro. you know, I don't know. Oh, that's just tragic, man. <laughs> it's just tragic in every way you can come up with. Yeah. So they're uh, working around the clock, you know, and they've got something down there that can do that and and they said if it's a bigger piece that they can actually take a tow line all the way down to the ocean floor imagine how long that thing is to hook it up to tow it back out uh you know the one good thing that's come from this uh, just you know thinking about the humanity of it all is you know the, the the families of the people who died you know you just don't want your people lost at sea forever yeah sure uh, and even if it's not the whole body, it's some piece, something that you can kind of put somewhere, whether it's, you know, in an urn or whether it's a casket or a mausoleum, whatever. You just feel better about the ceremony or whatever, knowing that, oh, my loved one is not just, you know, scattered in the ocean somewhere forever. You get some closure for the family. And to me, I think that's uh, probably the most important thing. Yeah, I would think so. And then in it. It's one of those things now, this whole operation, this type of thing will get scrutinized. And you hate to say it, I don't know that companies are going to stop doing stuff like this, but they didn't stop flying airplanes when people were dropping out of the sky left and right early on in air travel. And with everything that happened, they realized, okay, this is why that happened, and they eliminated that. Yeah, you just have to keep going and get better and better and better and better and better. And along the way, some things happen like this that are tragic. So the other thing I wanted to bring up here, and we've all... Before you bring up the other thing, I got to say, everything I've read is the CEO was an idiot. Yeah, it does kind of sound that way. And so while you're doing that exploration, you don't have to say, oh, we took the cheapest parts. Excuse me. And we took, you know, we took risk here and we took risk there. No, if you can't afford the great, the good stuff, then guess what? You just got to wait until you do. Yeah, especially when you're charging people $250,000 a pop to come down on this thing. Uh, did you see the email exchange he had with somebody and somebody, this is some other company owner who was saying like, dude, I, I'm paraphrasing, like, dude, this is really not a good idea to do it this way. And he's like, well, they had this this stuff that they built it out of on sale. And so I got a lot of it at a cheaper price. Like, dude, <laughs> you're just an idiot. That's just one of those things. Again, if you're charging $250,000 a pop, you can't spend more money to make sure that this, well, and now you'll never get the opportunity. And, and now it's, if you even had a split second to think, if you heard a crack or something right before it happened, maybe in your brain you go, ah, shit, I should have spent more money. And then you're gone. Right, that would be a terrible way to think about it, bro. I mean, you know, it, but we'll move on because this other yeah. one, and we all knew this was coming. But Will of Fortune, Pat Sajak, we all knew he had announced he's going to retire after 41 years. And they have named his replacement. And I got to tell you, man, you talk about one of the most hardworking dudes in the world of entertainment who just seems like he does it all. And that's Ryan Seacrest. You know, he, yeah, bro. he was many, many years ago handpicked by Dick Clark out of Atlanta to be his basically his successor and took him under his wing Ryan Seacrest does a daily morning radio show in L.A. 
He no longer does the show with Kelly Ripa, but he hosts American Idol. He does all that stuff for New Year's Eve. And now he's taken on, and I got to say, if, if anybody's going to be a replacement for Pat, say, I don't know, like when they said Ryan Seacrest was going to do it, I was like, oh, that makes all the sense in the world. Uh, he, yeah. when I think of him hosting Wheel of Fortune, it just makes sense. No, I mean, he's kind of like that guy. He's like the Dick Clark of his era. He's, you know, he's that guy. Well, there's not really much more you can say about it. He's that guy. He's got the looks. He's got the personality. He's got the people like him. Uh, men like him. Women like him. You know, he's that guy. Yeah, he's and he's been doing it like forever. That. And he makes it look easy. And uh, that's the hardest thing about TV and all those things is to make it look easy. Like, you ain't trying. Like, this is just a normal thing that you do. And you say, well, how hard can that be until you have to try to do it? <laughs> a lot of moving parts, man. I mean, it's in the way that he does it. And, and I don't know that it's happening like this anymore for him. And I'm, I imagine that I, I think Will of Fortune is actually shot out there somewhere in the L.A. area. Yeah. But some of those guys that do radio shows like that and then have to fly elsewhere, if they're not doing American Idol or if they weren't doing Kelly and whatever in L.A., you know, I used to, my very first thing in radio many years ago, I was an intern on a station in Dallas known as The Edge. It was 94.5 and then it was 1021, I think, The Edge. And I was an intern one summer on the morning show. Right. And so there was a dude named Chris Jagger, who was the main host. Oh, yeah. And the morning show was called Jagger, Ryan, and Michelle on The Edge every morning. Well, right. Jagger used to do the morning show in Dallas. And then he was a game show host for some show called Change of Heart. Really? And he, after the morning show on Fridays, would fly to L.A. and film episodes over the weekend and then fly back Sunday night to get up and do the morning show in Dallas on Monday. Oh, my. Now, it wasn't like that year round, obviously. I forget how how long he was doing that. And then they'd go through a break and then, you know, he'd have to go back for like the next month or whatever. But I mean, that type of stuff, man, to do that level is nuts. But the other thing about this with Ryan Seacrest is now Vanna White apparently is saying that she is not going to continue doing the show unless they give her 50% of what Pat Sajak was making because apparently TMZ confirmed that Vanna White makes $3 million a year but hasn't gotten a pay increase for the last 18 years. All right. Now, this is very interesting to me because she hasn't gotten a pay increase, but she's gotten bonuses and some other stuff. Yeah, all kinds of stuff, um, I would imagine. You know, there's, you know, I've heard about this with another company. I'll tell you off air who it is um, that does this locally. And they do just that. And I was telling, because I'm friends with a few of their employees. And I was like, now they, they weren't making, see, Vanna White's making $3 million. These people were making like, 50 or 60,000 so they don't have the same type of juice but it's a situation where you want to go bro you're getting this bonus and that's fine but 10 years from now you're still going to be making the same amount of money as the cost of living has increased and all they're doing is giving you a bonus i said the bonus is great when you get it but what you want is to go from 50,000 to 53 to 55 to 61 to 64 to 70 and in 10 years, you started at 55, you've been a really good employee, and now you're up at 72 or whatever. But the way they're getting you is by giving you this Christmas bonus or whatever, which is a tax break to them just before the end of the year. And they're really screwing you, bro. Uh, you just need to realize it, and you, know, you can accept it, you can move on. And it seems odd to me that Vanna White accepted it when it's and you know what it makes me wonder bro it makes me wonder what her relationship with pat sajak is because can't you go to pat and be like yo dog they fucking me um you go you the man go tell them to take care of me <laughs> yeah you would think so i mean apparently sajak made about 15 million a year right but he's and the so host i mean i look it, it, all vanna white does is touch some letters hey man but she was part of the iconic team. Yeah, see, and th now the fact that she's doing that, if I was whoever runs the show, I'd be like, all right, cool, leave. Well, that's what she's going to get now. She ain't got no leverage now. I was like, Sajak's leaving. We're replacing him. We'll also we'll just bring in a right. new girl to touch the letters. 
of course that's what she thinks is going to happen now and so she to me she had, she just i don't know to me she just played it all wrong like at some point during the height of the show you just go hey y'all you know you t- why are you meet why are you mistreating me like this why am i not getting this you pull that card which is accurate in this particular case and say y'all got to do better but she didn't and so now i think that ship is sailed i would think so and i'll be very curious to see what they decide to do that book called vanna and tell all the secrets yeah because again i mean look early on i get it vanna white was hot it was awesome but i mean she's obviously had a ton of work done on her face you know why do you say that i'm just saying man she looks like an extra from the original planet of the apes these days does she really yeah man her whole face looks plastic to me i she's 66 years old i I don't know i mean sorry vanna if i'm in that negotiating room i just kind of shrug and go cool you can stay working for what we're paying you or thanks for 41 years we'll go find someone else yeah bro to come touch letters for three million a year and work, you know, I, I was reading something about like they only work. I think it's something like thirty some odd days a year. Yeah, because they probably tape five or six shows a day. Yeah, I mean, it's I just I don't know. <laughs> I, that's okay. I apologize. Forty eight days a year. Okay. What do you do with the other 317 or whatever it is? Yeah, so it's somewhere in between 36 and 48 days a year. So if, if that's the reality of it, man, then, you know, okay. I'm Like, I would just, I'm sorry. Like, I get Vanna White is maybe an icon to some people, but I would just tell her, look, cool. Shockingly, we found this 25-year-old lady that wants to only work four days a month for $3 million a year. So we're just going to do that. <laughs> when you say it like that, bro. You know what? I will put on a dress. I'll go touch the damn letters. <laughs> I'll work four days a month, and you can pay me $1 million a year. That's a 66% that? discount for you guys. You know? In every show, I'll do a different voices. act. Yeah, different voice, a different whatever. <laughs> It'll be great. Seacrest will love me. Even though I'll probably tower above him. I think he's like super small, isn't he? Oh, wow. Isn't he like one of those pocket figure guys? I was going to say, what is he, like 5'5"? Five, five? No, he's 5'8". Eh, that's not too bad, I guess. I thought he was like 5'5". Five, right five. is not too bad. Yeah, 5'8 is all right. Yeah, I mean, if someone was 5'9", you know, 5'8". Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't seem like a giant to you. Come on, it's all right. Only in that one ad we shot. Which was like, <laughs> what the hell y'all doing? Yeah, that was like awesome. kid. Oh, what are you going to do? And then finally here, I've got this for you, this next story, because this is, this is going to be really interesting here. Actually, you know what? Before we do that, let me tell you about HFX Foundation Solutions, because some of you are going, I don't think I have a foundation problem. After the heat that Dallas just went through, probably down the road, you're going, holy hell, this is starting to happen. It's the normal stuff. It's the sticking doors the cracks that you noticed that weren't there before. That's where HFX Foundation Solutions comes out. It's a free, no obligation inspection. They're local, they're family owned. They do it all in Dallas, Fort Worth. You don't want to F around with your foundation. No, man, if you, uh, if you see grass pulling up away from it, if you see cracks, new cracks in your crib, if the doors are stuck, the windows are jammed, man, get your, get your, get your foundation checked and get it checked in a hurry. Because foundation problems scare every homeowner. I'm serious. Uh, they take away from the value of your home. They could send you into debt. And the best way, the easiest way, the quickest way to make sure that that does not apply to you, that will not apply to you, is get the f- good folks at Aaron and his team over there at HFX a call. Let them come check your crib out. You know, we laugh about it. We have fun with it. But we call the colonoscopy for your crib for a reason. That's because they go all the places you can't go, you won't go, you, and you wouldn't know what to look for if you did go there. And they check it out for you, man. They give you a report. Hey, here's what's up. Your house is great. Hey, here's a problem here. And chances are, if they find a problem, they found it early. And we all know what happens if you find something early. You have a much better chance to fix it. It costs much less out of your pocket. You can keep it moving. Call Aaron and his team, HFX, and let them give you the peace of mind that comes from knowing your foundation is great. It's easy. 
easy, easy to do. 817-770-0174. That call could save you thousands. HFX Foundation Online. And then, of course, Smokey John's Barbecue Man. And I, I just saw this, and I know it's a late notice, but we were talking about Fourth of July weekend coming up. Everybody's going to be off. Most of you listen to this on Friday. If you order this by 5 o'clock on Friday, June 30th, they've got their 4th of July pack. This is a crazy good deal to serve your 4th of July party. Two whole chickens, a slab of ribs, two sides, a gallon of sweet tea or lemonade. They throw in the rolls. They throw in the barbecue sauce, $99.95. All of that for right under $100. Boom. I mean, I don't really know how you do better than that. And it's delicious. Easy. <laughs> Easy. It's delicious. Do it, man. I know all of you are gathering. Everybody does something for 4th of July. Have Smokey John's cater it, but you got to get that order in. I, if, if you're listening to this in the morning, you got to order it by 5 o'clock today on Friday, June 30th. You can give them a call, 214-352-2752. 214-352-2752 to get that 4th of July pack. The other th- I wanted to throw this out because you sent this article and I've been seeing this a lot lately. And this is something that I don't know that anybody thought about. And now we are going to see some effects from this. But the Airbnb revenue collapse that has hit in places like Phoenix and Austin, Airbnb revenue is down almost 50%. San Antonio is down 44%. I mean, they are plummeting in Airbnb revenue. And they say that there's going to be a wave of forced selling from Airbnb owners at some point later this year in areas hit hard by the collapse, which, of course, if all of a sudden that happens, we might be about to enter another era of way too many homes being on the market, which will just plummet home prices, which if you're somebody like me that might be looking to buy a home in a year or two, that might be awesome. If you're somebody like my brother who tries to sell homes, that would probably not be awesome. People got greedy, bro. Apparently, man. I mean, the whole thing is is just a, a farce in a lot of ways. And what I'm talking about is you go on Airbnb and you look for, for, hey, let me go stay at this. Well, let's go from the beginning. Why do people like Airbnbs? They're cheaper than hotels. And you can feel like you're living at home or, you know, a house as opposed to the, uh, you know, cold nature of a hotel. You got the homey nature of a crib, of a house. But then, bro, so it was cheaper than houses. And it was a nice, it was it was like, hey, let's go live in a house while we're gone for two or three days yeah. instead of a hotel. This is a great idea. This is wonderful. And then, bro, they started putting all these rules and all these fees in it, man. And so the room is $100. Okay, now you got a cleanup fee that's $100. Now, what happened is they tried to do that same thing. Well, COVID is here, so we got to use extra cleaning. Okay, COVID been gone for a couple years now. You know, and then, bro, Take out the trash, wash the dishes, make the bed, vacuum the house before you leave. I thought that's what the cleaning fee was for, bro. And you look up at it and the room is $100 and you say, well, why is my bill $900 for three days? Well, the room was $300, but the fees and other stuff made it $900. You're like, well, I might as well go to the Marriott. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of that. And I think it it, looks at your situation. Where uh, people, you had some baking powder on the counter. Yeah, you that. You had a cocaine lace so party. Yeah, now I'm banned from Airbnb. You know, and people have had, I've been reading more of this. This happened to me, God, what was this? January, we went with another couple to Atlanta. And right. I just trusted that they were going to research the area that the Airbnb was in. And we we got there before them and I called him. And I'm I'm not kidding you. There were people selling drugs about diagonal two houses down from the Airbnb. And I was driving right. through a neighborhood where there's a lot of bars on the windows and stuff. And I was like, what? And I, I, to this day, believe that whoever ran that neighborhood just had an Airbnb and probably told the people in the area, don't mess with this home because it was a nice house. Like the outside looked great. The pictures were phenomenal. 
Right. But it was in a God awful area of Atlanta. And I called him. I was like, dude, I'm not spending the night in this area. <laughs> and so they, they, I forget how they did it, but they canceled it and got their money back. And we just went and booked another Airbnb. And he was like, man, I'm so sorry. He's like, we didn't even really look. We just thought it would be okay. You know, it, it would be, I mean, there are certain areas of any major city that most people it, it probably don't want to spend a lot of time in. Right, right, right. And I mean, I was just, I told him, I was like, look, man, I'm from a big city. There's not a lot that really raises my eyebrows, but have, driving through this area, this <laughs> is not an area that we want to stay in. I was like, I'm, and I told him my thought. I, I said, I, I'm serious. I think whoever runs this neighborhood, who's like the main drug dude in this neighborhood or whatever, owns this home or his woman was like, I want a project and they did this and it's off limits. I'm sure it would be safe, but that is not an area that I want to spend any time in. Nah, nah, nah. And so you run into that and you run into, there are people that have had stuff broken into in Airbnbs. And part of the reason why is depending on where it is, it's, it'd be very easy because if you're, if you're in that neighborhood and you're of that nature, you could even be in a good neighborhood. If you're of that nature or know somebody who is, you go, hey, there's an Airbnb in my neighborhood. There's really nobody there half the time. These people are coming. They're going to be leaving because they're on vacation probably. Makes right. it super easy to break into and or whatever the case may be. So I think you're seeing more of that. Now that's, again, I would imagine 98% of Airbnbs this doesn't happen to, but I don't know, man. Airbnb... To me, I like to stay in a hotel if it's me and the lady. If it's right. me and a group of people, the Airbnb is great because, hey, we can all hang out together in the main living area, and then we all have our own bedrooms, Right. which I like doing that. I mean, as a matter of fact, for the draft that I have coming up for my fantasy football draft, we all pitched in and got a kick-ass Airbnb. Now, I doubt anybody's going to mess with a group of 12 grown-ass men as opposed to, oh, it's a bachelorette party of five women who aren't paying attention right. to what's going on around them. But I think there's a point to it to some degree, but the fact that there's so many of them, man, and this, like these little tweets that you sent me, I didn't realize this. Data from whatever, all the rooms or whatever, there are 1 million Airbnb and Verbo rentals in the country compared to 570,000 homes for sale. Yeah, bro. Uh, you know, the other thing about that is you got all these other perverts who've got cameras all over yeah. the spot. And uh, you just never know, man. Uh, last time I was at one, I was in New York. Uh, and the lady was nice. Everything was good because the flight got delayed. And so we had some issues coming back. So we had to extend for a day. Ice storm in Dallas, I think. Yeah. Bro. She sent, she sicked a Airbnb on me because I didn't take the trash out. Now I boxed it up and, and put it in trash bags and everything else. It was neat, it was tidy. You didn't take the trash out. And she wanted like a $75 charge for that. And uh, uh, some, I left some towels, cause I do this at the hotel. Um, you use all the towels up, I don't hang them back up when I leave. I put them all in a pile, not scattered, but in a pile on the floor. You didn't fold the towels. You didn't put the towels in the washing machine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that is just asinine, man. For 75 bucks, man. Right. She's trying to hit me up. And I was, I was just like, you tripping. Yeah, and that's reality. Like this Airbnb that we got, I mean, it is not cheap. But when you got 12 people splitting the cost, yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think we got it for each of us. It's $75 a night to stay in like a, a crazy nice house. Right. But then you go, okay, well, what's 12 times 75? Yeah, okay, well, there it is. 12 times 75 is $900 a night. But I would, for two people, whatever, but like a large group, you're like, okay, you know, a couple of us may have to share a bed, but who cares? We're going to be drinking, hanging out. It's great. There's a pool. There's a, a pool table, a massive house, super close to the where we're having the draft. I mean, it's, so I, I get the purpose of Airbnb, and I know some people have success with it. Some people have failures, but man, at some point, and the guy that put this all together says that during COVID, you had a lot of people working from home that could go everywhere, take trips. Well, now less people are working from home and less people are vacationing to some of the areas that saw the boom of Airbnb. Right. So the inevitable crash is being set up. 
And now, at some point, those people have to figure out what are we going to do with these homes? And if a lot of them go on sale at once, maybe in the next year, might time out to actually have some affordable housing again. You know? That would, not, that would not suck for me. It would suck for my brother, so I feel for him. Sorry, friends, <laughs> that do that. All right, kids, that is going to be our podcast. We will not, I repeat, not have a podcast on Monday as I will be traveling this weekend for the 4th of July holiday. I think a lot of people are off on Monday. If you're not, I'm sorry, there will not be a podcast on Monday because of the holiday. And we'll figure it out. We'll try to get one to you guys on Wednesday, even though that would be us recording on July 4th. But I I would imagine we could knock that out at some point that morning because I'll be back by then if you're around. Yeah. Let me know. I may be around. I may not. Yeah, so we'll figure that out. I don't have as much equipment as you, so it's not as big a deal. Yeah, so just keep that in mind. No podcast Monday. We're going to try for next Wednesday. If there isn't one, then look, with the holiday and everything and and moving around and traveling and all that, it's, it's what it is. But... Uh, Just make a definite note of that. We'll talk to you guys again at some point in the future. Happy July 4th. Everybody have a great holiday weekend. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.